requested guest <laughs> and a titan in our industry. I'm so excited for this conversation. You guys, welcome Sarah to the party. Hey, friend. <laughs> hello, hello. So excited. Yes. Welcome, welcome. Um, you're my friend in real life now, I'm proud to say. We have, we have spent some time together. <laughs> Um, and I'm really excited to just hear from you a little bit more because I gotta, I'm gonna start off by giving you your flowers. I am because you came on the scene, I think just before the pandemic, right? Yeah, With like days before. <laughs> insane timing. Um, thanks God. Um, but you came on the scene with exactly what we needed to get through that pandemic. And I don't... I don't know that I would have done as well as I did um, without most of what you brought to the table. I love that your content is so thoughtful and intellectual. And not only do you put words to our feelings, but you give us actionable steps to, you know, to cope and to make our environment better and to advocate for ourselves. So first of all, thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for sharing that with me. It's it's hard to um, accept flowers, as you know, um, but I really, really appreciate it. And I love hearing um, even just one when one post I make impacts somebody when they let me know, like, that one really resonated. It just fills my heart with so much joy, um, especially because I created the account because I was so isolated and alone and like just yeah alone that I it fills my heart with so much joy to hear somebody feel seen um because that's all I wanted was to feel seen yeah and I mean it's evident like you you got an army behind you a lot of us look to you and I'm sure that feels like a lot of pressure <laughs> but a lot of us like when people say I'm 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 burnout I'm stressed I'm I'm not doing well with my boundaries at work you're always the first person I recommend that they follow um, and talk to. So thank you for <laughs> putting yourself out there when you, you know, you didn't have to do it. I appreciate you. Certainly was a, a calling for sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's many times where I feel uncomfortable being <laughs> a leader of some sorts. Um, but I, I enjoy it. And I really, really love the community that's been, created around it um, and seeing other people step into their own forms of leadership and their own passions and skill sets has been so, so fruitful. Yeah. And what I love about the way that you bring your content is that it's, it, you can tell it's specifically to build the community and to, to help us through some of what we're going through. Um, because 
there's so much evidence-based research behind what you're bringing to us. So for those who don't know, can you tell us a little bit about your educational background and how you are able to pull all these things together for us? (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm a nerd. (laughs) long story short uh I got back I mean I guess I started nannying like everybody else does kind of like in college those first like summer kind of gigs just kind of making it through my original goal was to um work with autistic kiddos um and so I had gone into college really with that mindset so I was doing a lot of developmental studies, a lot of um, research, evidence-based research in that um, field, in that direction, all surrounding child development. Um, I ended up being a respite provider in my time during college, which is essentially nannying kind of babysitting for people with special needs or people with diagnoses um, and it's provided through the state. Uh, So I would kind of work with them but then do like longer stints with them privately and so I was really building up all of these relationships with people. Um, Left college, pursued behavioral therapy where I was an in-home therapist for kiddos. Um, I was very very much of the mindset I hated traditional uh, behavioral therapy. I did not like the idea of us sitting at a table with flashcards, you saying the word ball and I give you a cracker. Like none of it made any sense to me. And my, I had very personal experience. I was pursuing that because I had a cousin that was being diagnosed with autism at a very pivotal age for me. And so all that to say, In behavioral therapy, um, I kind of just felt like I was so close to making impact and differences in these families, but so far away because of just bureaucratic nonsense. Um, I ended up being a parent consultant for this behavioral therapy company. And so I was talking with parents, which is kind of where a lot of my skill set talking about like really weird icky things comes from because in that training I had to like my boss would like sit there and tell me like role play scenarios with me that were super outrageous like um like vaccines vaccines caused my kids autism and I had to sit there and just kind of feel that with them and work them through that and kind of navigating what the evidence says and what research says and navigating those still real feelings and fears um, with these parents. And so I got a really interesting insight um, on both sides of just like how urgent and crisis certain things can feel for parents and having to work through that with them from a provider side. Um, not experiencing it, that fear and that like real, just isolating fear with these parents um, and working through them without falling into the like, this is a crisis. I need to fix it. I need to give up everything I have um, to help you, which I ended up doing down the line (laughs) Um, as a nanny. But essentially in behavioral therapy, Uh, And then I did research for the county uh, for people experiencing schizophrenia for the first time. Um, And so there I got all the research uh, accolades, all those learning how to read things, write reports, write all these things. So that's where my background with this Zanny census comes in, where I created. Um, It's just all these paths that I was trying to... (laughs) be really academic um, with my child development, um, leading me down this path where it was like, I can be so academic, all this stuff, but I'm not making the impact that I wanted to make. And so that's how I ended up in a nannying role where I could be one-on-one with a family working through those things. Um, The family that I went, transitioned from behavioral therapy to was going through divorce, Um, ADHD diagnoses, um, 
uh, disordered eating, a lot of things in the home that I was able to put all of my evidence-based practices into real life practice. But um, there I developed all of the other side of the things, all the compassion fatigue, the burnout, the overgiving of myself. Um, so yeah, I just have a very well-rounded <laughs> little package of experiences that put me in this spot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I didn't even realize <laughs> I, some of that I missed in our conversation because it really is the perfect combination of education and experience, you know, all coming together. And like, thank God you decided to merge all those things and share with us, you know, your perspective, because I think it really does take having some time on both sides to understand how to bring, how to bridge that gap, how to bring, you know, parents and caregivers together. I feel like your rate should be like a hundred dollars an hour. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I do. I mean, I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, but I also, I, it's a very big passionate passion of mine to keep, um, costs, I guess, low for us caregivers and us on this side, because we so desperately need that care and that self self work that costs lots and lots of money on the outside. Um, but we need it so, so desperately that it's almost like it should be given to us like an occupational hazard. Like you're going to be going through this compassion fatigue, like, Hey, we need to prepare you for this, like get some training. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of mind blowing how much, gumption we give into this work yeah and it, it really is interesting because we talk about how like there are no true requirements for entering into this industry and becoming a nanny there's no you know there are different types of nannies different types of jobs um and pretty much you know if you're if you're willing and able you can dive in but apart from the the skills of doing the job we do also really need these you know, emotional intelligence skills. We need these boundaries and all these things. And I, I, I would think that agencies could take that as an opportunity to pour into the nannies who keep their agencies going um, by offering something like that because it's true. So many people, and I'm glad you mentioned the whole keeping the prices accessible for nannies because so many people need just someone to talk to about nanny life, right? Or someone to say, I've been there, I get it, I understand you're not losing your mind. Like, <laughs> this is hard. Um, and sometimes we're able to find friends for that and sometimes we end up paying someone for it. Um, and, you know, sometimes it works out and it helps you and sometimes, you know, not as much. But I definitely think we need to be pouring more into our community in that way. Um, giving us the tools to get through because it's not just about knowing your first aid, your CPR, your developmental milestones, you know, your different educational approaches and pedagogy. Like you need tools to, <laughs> to be okay through this whole journey. And that, again, is why you are so important to us, <laughs> Sarah. You are, you are, yes, thank you. <laughs> and that's why I, I do spend like, 90% of my time making the like free content as opposed to the 10% of my time I spend in calls and in conversation with nannies um, because I am really, really passionate about getting that out there and just making people feel seen. If I can just make it stumbles across one person's explore page and they were like, oh, wow, that really resonates for me. That makes all the difference. Um, because you can just go years and years and years of feeling so alone, despite, like, I mean, I, for example, was working in the Silicon Valley. Everybody in the Silicon Valley has at least one domestic worker in their house. Most of the time they have a full staff. But I, it was crazy for me to think that like, I felt so, so alone, even having another technically another nanny and other domestic workers in the house with me, but I felt so alone. 
Like I'm the only one experiencing these feelings, even though knowing next door, there's another person that's probably feeling the same way. Two houses down, they've experienced something very similar. Three houses down, like we're all experiencing the same thing, but yet no communication with each other whatsoever. And not in a catty, like we need to gossip about Marianne next door and blah, 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 blah. But we are experiencing these things. Like I went through something where somebody kind of spoke to me in a way that really, really demeaned me. And I need to know how to process that. I need to know, do I feel valid in feeling that? Like, am I being crazy for, for thinking that like I could be hurt for being spoken to that way? Like we go through all sorts of circles that if I had just one person kind of like intercede and be like, Hey, you're not crazy. Like, it's okay. You don't need to spiral and build all of these stories about what's going on. Like, let's process this one experience. <laughs> let's process it together. If I just had that, um, I probably would have survived much longer. <laughs> it would have been way more sustainable for me. Um, but yeah, I digress. <laughs> yeah. And it's tough too, because you're walking this fine line of trying to be professional and at some point in history, professionalism for nannies was keeping your mouth shut about what your experience is. And I think, and I've, listen, I've been on that tightrope for the past, however long I've been on social media talking about nanny life, because you do want to respect your, your family that you're working for. You do want to exercise discretion and, and respect their privacy, but you're also having an experience and you should be able to talk about your unique experience because there's someone right next door, like you said, who's going through the same thing. And we're all just tunnel vision, getting the job done, thinking that we're the only ones suffering. So yeah, we got to talk to each other more. (laughs) Yeah. And that is also the beauty of having an online community is that it takes away some of the initial, like they're going to come after my job or they're going to, talk to their boss and then their boss is going to talk to my boss or something's going to get out or I'm talking about potty training and then all of a sudden they tell their boss that that we're potty training and it becomes this big mess because they weren't supposed to know that or something. Having the online community where we have some created a little bit of distance but still um, but still finding those trusted individuals. Be careful um, because there is that that distance people can be whoever they want to be online so be cautious um use your discretion that i know that you have um but that is really amazing an amazing tool for us to have in this industry um so we can kind of take away some of that like initial ickiness of like we're all after each other's jobs and we're all competitive in this gross industry way um we can see the bigger picture when we see it online that we're like, there's so many of us. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild to think how many domestic workers just in this country alone, you know, and how powerful we really are (laughs) when we use our voices um, to speak about our experiences. And one of our recent experiences together was Sarah and I, really Sarah, and she let me tag along, but Sarah and I did (laughs) International Nanny Training Day in Charlotte, North Carolina with Family First Household Staffing Agency on April 1st, and we got to meet a lot of other caregivers in this industry. We got to compare notes in a big way. Um, Sarah was such a champ, (laughs) despite not feeling great. Um... But I was surprised by some of what I heard um, from the people that we mingled with. Um, But I'm going to ask you to share first. Did anything surprise you talking to other nannies um, that day? Um, Well, so (laughs) when we were giving our uh, talk, I kind of like breezed through our introductions because we had just like kind of mingled with several people and so many people were coming up to us and like saying like, I know who you are. Like I follow you on Instagram. I da 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 da. So then when I got on stage, I kind of just was like, you guys know who we are. But then they had to stop us and say like, no, introduce yourselves because 
like people raised their hands and it was their first time at any sort of like training event or anything of that nature. And it just kind of like opened my eyes to like how many people we still have to reach, like not in like a, a weird way, but in a, there's so many people that still are not feeling seen or so many people that still need that coworker or so many people that still don't even know that this sort of thing exists. Like I, for many, many years was in domestic work and had no idea that there was such things as associations and training days and all of these things. Like that was so outside of my network that I didn't even know existed. That just seeing all these people like raise their hands for the first time, they're being like connected with other caregiving coworkers was illuminating to me that like we still have so much we still have so many people that we can talk to and reach out to and connect with yeah it was it was mind-blowing for me too because I feel like we have such a like bubble on social media and you tend to see the same 10 or 12 names um whether it's creating content whether it's speaking at conferences or events um and it feels like we all know each other and we all have the basics, right? Like we all know what a fair job looks like, what fair wages feel like, what good working conditions are. But the truth of the matter is, like you said, we have so many people left to reach. And I remember one person speaking up about their specific experience towards the end of our little chat. And I was like in rare form because I was like, I'm sorry, what? That is, wait, huh? It's 2023 but the truth of the matter is not everybody knows not everybody has somebody and the real connection I think is is I mean it's easy to do it online and for for introverts like me and Sarah probably preferable um but the real connection is like in your area at the playground at the music class at the gym at you know all these places where we all kind of congregate with our nanny kids, um, we can talk to one another about our experiences. We can try and um, schedule play dates. We can try and see other nannies outside of work. (laughs) Novel concept for some of us. Um, And that's how we build community. And that's how we keep the conversation going. That's how we bring everyone into the loop. So yeah, it was, it was, crazy to me because that was a huge event there was like what like 140 people or something it was a big event and the majority of them had never been to a training day a conference anything like that which was just I don't know it was something (laughs) yeah it was something like it's just something to see like that amount of people because I think when we see numbers on Instagram like obviously it's just hard to conceptualize like that, that, that number is a human being. I try very mindfully like every day to be like these new accounts that have followed me. Like these are human beings. Like the, I, I take that very, very seriously, but to see it in real life, like all these heads in a room, like it was fascinating (laughs) really. Um, And just thinking about it from like the nanny census, like data point side of it. I'm like, we need all these numbers. We, I need all these like people. We need to know what's going on. Just visual representation of like who we are um, as a community, as an industry. Um, and another thing that was so cool for me to see also, coming from California, I kind of take it for granted that we have so much um, Spanish speakers. But it was really cool over there to see there were so many Spanish speakers and we had translators there and people that were like kind of there to make those connections with people. Um, And I thought that was really cool. Um, Somebody that would have otherwise not been able to ask her question to me, which was a very, very important, like, what do I do in this scenario? She probably has nobody else to ask. Like, and, and that is exacerbated by the language barrier. She not only has nobody to ask, but she also has nobody to ask in her native language to understand. Um, So having somebody like, we just kind of sat there and chatted and like other people were joining in and it was amazing to see um, her get that validation and that connection and just like other people just saying like, no, you have like a good head on your shoulders. You're thinking correctly. You're like, the thoughts that you have make sense. Like those that's working, you're going in a great direction. 
um, which really is all I do in my <laughs> intensives with people is really just provide that like, yes, you, yes, yes. Like we got, you got it, you got it, you got it. Um, Cause we, we really do have all the answers for ourselves. It's kind of just like putting it out, having somebody kind of make those little connections, string the dots. Like what is the, it's always sunny, Charlie, like connecting the strings. <laughs> like we just kind of need somebody else to do that for us to draw the strings like somebody else I can give you all the points I can give you all this kind of just make it can you color it in for me um that's kind of what I do in my intensives and so seeing other people do it at that table with each other was just oh, gets my gets my keegers going yeah those those lightning rounds were something else it really was because I so for those who weren't there we did lightning rounds where speakers were assigned to a table and the participants, the attendees could mill around and choose who to speak to um, briefly if they had a question or anything. But my table, they worked together more than I spoke, you know, with, um, you know, helping each other to advocate for themselves or make changes in their careers. And a lot of the, like what you were saying about Spanish speakers, like I realized there is a huge hole in, what I'm offering because I don't translate my content. And I, I felt almost ashamed because it's like, it's true. Everyone should have access to this information. And I, I guess took for granted or underestimated the amount of people who speak Spanish and work for English speakers who don't speak Spanish because me personally, I would not hire someone to work in my home that I could not communicate with reliably. Um, for their comfort and for mine. So hearing that and learning that is like, okay, we got a lot of work to do. We got to go back and make sure everyone can get, you know, what we're giving this information, this empowerment <laughs> to move mm-hmm. forward, you know? That's truly what it is, is the empowerment to be like, okay, like I, like speaking to that person specifically, like she had never, she spoke Spanish or bosses spoke English never once had they communicated with each other like actually like never really had a conversation to with each other and I'm just like this poor girl like she didn't even realize that she was worthy of having that translation like you're worthy like it's almost your employer's responsibility to have that translation for you to communicate to you and it's it's unfortunate that we live in a world where you have to take that responsibility for yourself, but in an ideal situation, it would be your employer's responsibility to provide that for you. And so I was like, you can get a, bring a translator to your next, set a meeting with them, bring a translator or get Google Translate up if you feel that way, but get somebody there that's like an advocate for you that is communicating, bridging that. And back to my behavioral therapy days, um, we had many, many uh, families that spoke like Cantonese and Mandarin. And uh, we had tons of translators come in all the time. And I was like, just seeing the difference of like, obviously that was filled with all this bureaucratic nonsense, but because it had that, there was the opportunity for translators to come in every um, parent consultation session that I had. And I wish that that was available to nannies that are speaking a different language than their bosses and there and there's many of them like it's not just a small number like there's a lot (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and google translate does not always cut it because there are a lot of nuances colloquialisms you know cultural differences that and i i would venture to say (laughs) it's way too easy for a family to take advantage of a language barrier It, it just is i couldn't imagine not being able to explain to my bosses why I'm uncomfortable about something or why something's not working, even as it pertains to their child, you know? Um, I know a lot of families end up relying on toddlers to translate, you know? And it's just like, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How is that going to work, you know? It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we would never rely on um, the toddler to communicate things in our own language because we're like, no, you should ask me. Like, if they say kiddo says something a little off ask me as the adults we could like verify how crazy would like (laughs) Mm -hmm. right right in a different language like right it's 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 wild it's yeah 
It's but we're gonna we we got work to do and we're gonna do the work. I'm right. I'm committed to doing the work for sure. Same. And there's like there was another person that she was like, you, we need all of this in in Spanish, and I'm like, I know, I know. Like so, mm-hmm. if you're out there <laughs> and you're willing to help me, help, help. Amber, help. Um, <laughs> We're, we're on board. Like, yeah. I want to do it. Um, I just don't have the full skill set. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and uh, just like you said, I I do Duolingo. Obviously not the <laughs> the best way to learn language. Because, like, the other day it said, like, uh, it had a sentence, like, my feet are listening to me. And I was like, what? What even is this sentence? <laughs> it, is that an <laughs> idiom? Like, what is it? I was like. No, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> my feet are listening to me. Okay. It's like, this is a weird sentence, but okay. Oh my goodness. Wild. So don't rely on that. <laughs> I know. I need to get back on my Duolingo, but yikes. Um, okay, <laughs> so I want to talk specifically about compassion fatigue because, well, because. Um, so can you start us off by explaining what compassion fatigue is? Sure thing. Um, a lot of people kind of, con- not confuse, but conflate burnout with compassion fatigue. Um, compassion fatigue is kind of a facet of burnout. It's like one part that us that are givers kind of have more frequently, like as a part of our burnout. Um, so they're kind of like in a spectrum. They kind of like overlay. Um, but compassion fatigue is essentially when we overextend the compassion that we have. <clears throat> And so us in these caregiving, helping professions, we are more likely to experience this in the same way that um, a skydiver might experience a failure of a parachute because they're skydiving more often. Like, I'm not skydiving, so that's probably not going to happen to me. I'm not going to die of a parachute accident. But if you are a carer, you are more likely to develop compassion fatigue as opposed to somebody else because you are giving of your compassion so much more often than the average person. So I like to think of compassion and empathy like muscles that we use, which means they need discipline, they need exercise, they need care and intention. And they're also capable of overworking, of fatiguing. Like we know when we pull a muscle, like it hurts really bad. Uh, we can't really use that muscle. We have to lay off of that muscle. We can't use it. It's unusable. And so similarly, when we experience compassion fatigue, we've cared too much. I put that in quotes because, you know, but we've cared a little bit too much, given a little bit too much of our resources. And now that muscle is fatigued. And so we have to give it the rest, the care, the intention, um, that it needs. And so some people say, well, like, how do I, how do I combat that? Um, and so I, my favorite number is the magic number five to one, which is made by John Gottman in four, uh, marriages <laughs> for marriages to have a healthy, positive relationship. They need a, a ratio of five to one, five positive to one negative experience. So if you have a, a fight with your partner, you should have five, um, additional like loving gestures to combat that one negative because that one negative goes so much farther um unfortunately than the positive ones and we know that like we know that when we um are at work and somebody says something kind of rude to us like that sticks with us way more than when they said thank you for clearing out the whatever like the negatives stick <laughs> so like we kind of need <laughs> yes <laughs> yes my favorite place to be <laughs> really though I gotta thank the trolls because they make the content for me most of the time mm-hmm. but <laughs> so you can come it's okay <laughs> um but we need a five to one and it's really unrealistic for us to think that we're gonna get that five from our bosses like every time we give a compassion to them, we cannot expect them to give five back to us, but we can give five to ourselves. So every time that we are giving of a compassion towards other people, we should be giving five aspects of compassion to ourselves, whether that is like processing our emotions or listening to our body, hydrating, doing all the like normal stuff, but we should be giving 
five every time that you put out. <laughs> I think I'm way off balance, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's hard, hard, hard work. Um, especially when we are so reinforced for it at work. Like it's, it's our job to be compassionate, to be giving, to be empathetic towards others. It's like we're reinforced for it every single time because it's our job. Um, so having, so being mindful of like, how much did I give today? How much did I receive today? Um, I like to call them capacity checks, um, to check in where your capacity level is, how, what, before you go into work so that you're aware before you go into work, um, and you can actually use your capacity. <laughs> uh, and then after work, uh, I also like to, um, do like a, once I get in the car, kind of like a visual like in my brain, I go like a little stripping off of my limbs of like all those thoughts, the feelings that don't belong to me, leaving them out here on the curb <laughs> by their house, kind of like dumping it. <laughs> I'll pick it up back tomorrow. Um, and then going home. And then if something is sticking, like what's going on here? Why, why is it sticking? What's the story that I'm telling myself about this sticking point? Um, and really, yeah, just paying attention, listening to myself again, because that's a big part of it is we just go through the motions and we get so disconnected from our own soul, our own voice, our own everything. Um, a lot of it is self-reflection, which can be really uncomfortable for us. <laughs> and you know what I think is interesting, too, just about me? I can't speak for anybody else. <laughs> Y'all are probably different from me, but you talk about self-reflection. I feel like some of my compassion fatigue is self-inflicted because nobody asks me. Like when, when I, sometimes I'm at work and I'll see a thing that is either out of place or atypical. And instead of thinking about, is this my business? <laughs> is this my job? Is this my responsibility? Is someone expecting me to do this? Instead of that, I'm like, let me just do it so that the house is how the house should be. Um, and, and so then I, I take on an extra responsibility or do an extra good deed that is ultimately invisible. Not everyone is going to come home and notice that you switched the clothes over when you didn't have to, or, um, you made the kids a smoothie instead of giving them goldfish. Like those things tend to be invisible. And so for me, <laughs> as a person who like, one of my biggest love languages is words of affirmation. So for me, I'm, I'm I'm doing five extra things today because I made myself do these five extra things. And then at the end of the day, when my bosses are like, thanks for all your help, and that's it, then it, now I'm annoyed. But it was self-inflicted. So I think sometimes, just like the job creep conversation, when we do those capacity checks, we also have to like find a way to... Um, objectively assess what things are our responsibility, what things are expected of us versus normal household things. Because like my, my house is not ship shape all the time. It's actually rarely ship shape. So if someone were working in my household and they chose to help me, they would be doing all this extra work that I didn't expect or ask for. They could grow resentful of me for not either acknowledging it or thanking them for it or, you know, compensating them extra for it. And then now we are in this, this, this tense relationship and it's all my fault. <laughs> and that's one of the things that going through this pandemic, I've had to like look at myself and be like, okay, so, but you took this on, um, unnecessarily thinking it would be kind, thinking it would be helpful, but all you did was, an invisible task and then you frustrated yourself I don't know maybe it's just me though <laughs> no it's definitely not just you I mean even um like when we when I came to Atlanta and if you guys didn't know I went to a work with Amber for a day I caught myself cleaning up their kitchen she did mm -hmm. I like was putting their chairs in a certain way and it's like that's kind of in our nature many like oftentimes we're not we're subconsciously like, this is somebody else's space. I got to tidy it for them. Or like, this is somebody else's, blah, blah, blah. blah. I got to do that for them. Um, stopping yourself at the, this is somebody else's space. Do I need to do this? Like, is this helpful? Like, if you're going to do it out of actual genuine, like, yeah, I'm just going to clean this up. Go ahead. 
do it. But if you're doing it with the expectation of like, I want them to notice and I want them to see and I want to be thanked, like pause. <laughs> because where is the intention there? Because like if the intention is like, I need appreciation and thanks and gratitude, like it's probably not going to come from you pushing in those chairs. So like, <laughs> just pause. And sometimes we think of it as so drastic, like I gotta push in these chairs. And it's like, not everything is so emergent or like crisis. That's another thing that we create crisis out of many things, especially because like other people are feeling feelings and we are uncomfortable with those feelings. We're uncomfortable with them feeling anger, annoyance, fear, frustration, like we're uncomfortable. So we want to fix it. And sometimes that is our job to make things more comfortable for our bosses. But other times we're taking on their feelings and making it into a crisis when it doesn't need to be. And we're like showing them an, an unhealthy way to um, deal with those emotions because there is not going to be somebody that's going to be always there to fix it. Like sometimes an annoyance is justified and valid and like we're just going to be annoyed and that's fine. Um, but many times because it's like our job, we're like, oh, my boss is annoyed that like the prescription is not in in time, is not ready in time for pickup. And so I go through this like crazy thing where I'm asking the pharmacist behind the desk and I'm asking da 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 and making this big thing as opposed to just letting my boss feel a little annoyed that the prescription was late because it's not my responsibility. Like I don't need to make it my responsibility. We can just be annoyed. <laughs> right. And, the, and because the more that we take on and try to problem solve for them and think for them and be three steps ahead, the more, <laughs> the more they're going to ask of you low key because you make it look easy. Do you know how many times I've been told I make it look easy? And I'm like, guys, I'm dying over here. Mm -hmm. This is not, I am struggling. But because, I don't know, because they get home and it's done, it's just like, wow, you really, you really bossed up today. So tomorrow, let's try to do it again. And it's just a vicious, a vicious cycle. Yeah. Like there's one, um, one post that I made that was like a, a rap. Everybody really loved it. I felt really embarrassed by it. I loved but it. Was it. Like, <laughs> but one part of it I mentioned that like but now I made this expectation and I proved that I was capable so now like it's very similar like we 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 showed them that I was capable of doing that like time and time again I, I proved it I proved that that was like the, the 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 like level that I was capable operating at when it was untrue I was not comfortable operating at that level but I did it every time and now I prove I made this expectation that like oh that's fine. <laughs> Sarah's fine with working four weekends in a row without a day off. Like she's, that's fine with her. She said, she said it, but it's like, no, I can't operate at that level every time. Um, yeah, that was a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the tangent. Well, I was going to ask like, how do we express professionally to our bosses that we are very near capacity. If it is, if we are doing the job we were hired to do, because for me, just to put it in context, because that sounded insane, but in context, I started off my current job with two babies. We had a very straightforward life together. <laughs> you know, I was in the home with them. We would go on walks and stuff like that. Nothing too crazy. Six years later, I spend about two hours a day in my car. We are going to, you know, classes, events, school pickup, drop-off, play dates. Um, there are things that will happen like renovations that require me to figure something out to make it work. And it's a completely different job, essentially, but also the same job in a way, if that makes sense. So how do you then communicate to your bosses that, like, Okay, I was able to do all those things when we were home all the time, but now I cannot. Mm -hmm. It, yeah, part of it is like uh, um, recognizing for yourself that like this had this is not working anymore. Um, part of like many times we like go even approaching this conversation with our bosses with tons, tons of like caveats and excuses that we've already come up with and we provide them like these 
these examples of like what I maybe blah, 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 and it's like those are not working for you either <laughs> it's like kind of like with sick days when we like say like I'm calling out but I could come if you really really need me and if da, 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 and we provide all of these like excuses that like they're gonna take it they're gonna take that like option um so I like to really like instead of providing all that really open end it and kind of like put the ball back into their court to like figure it out for me because you are my boss and you're my employer. And like, if it was any other industry and my bot and my job was like going all haywire, like it would be my manager's job to put it back into place. Um, so I like to let them know how I'm feeling. Like I, this, it has strayed from what I was doing, like give them clear examples of how that has changed, what the difference is, because many times they don't see that. Um, they're like, they just see the, you have three kids, what's changed? Like you, blah, 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 blah. Like they, sometimes they really genuinely don't make those connections and you kind of have to spell it out for them. Um, and then asking them like, these are conflicting. How would you do this? <laughs> and And sometimes, like sometimes they rec they'll recognize like oh that is actually not gonna work um sometimes they're going to say like well I don't I don't sorry I don't know make it work and that's the times when you kind of have to be real and honest with yourself of like is this working for me unfortunately um I think many of us are afraid to come to that that part <laughs> where we have to make the decision of like this isn't this isn't the right move for me anymore and I think many times we think of like I'll quit when it's bad like when it's a bad position that's when I'll quit um but what what does that even mean like for many of us like what there is no such thing like as a, a truly horrendous like we'll 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 keep it moving like there was many, many, many times that I probably should have called it quits um, at my last position because it was super, super unhealthy. But <laughs> it's kind of like uh, the saying, like, if you, uh, actually, I just said this in my in one of my posts recently of um, we need like 42 percent of our time resting. And like, if you don't give your body that much rest, like your body will demand it from you. Like it will knock you down. It will knock you out. You, it will get that rest from you. Um, very similarly, like with a job, like if it's not the right time, if it's not the right job for you, you don't want to push it until, until it gives out. You don't want to push it until like you have to like rage quit. You don't want to push it until like everybody is like, yelling at each other and it's like this big traumatic event um be honest with yourself beforehand like this isn't the right fit for me anymore um and that's hard we go through our own grieving processes with that too and honoring that that is grief and it's a loss and it's change and change, change is, very, is very hard, hard. <laughs> but the alternative which is why this is so important is that you give 100% of yourself to someone else's family. And while you're doing that, either your family or your friendships or your mental health are just in ruin. <laughs> it literally is what it is. I think the, the first sign for me that I'm doing too much and that I'm giving too much is when I become that like couch potato again. And listen, I no shade to couch potatoes because I do. Me and my couch, we're besties. But when I find myself coming home from work, first of all, sitting in the driveway for 30 minutes because what? How did I even get home? And then coming in the house, showering and parking it on the couch until it is time to go do it again. If I do that more than one night in a row, something is off. Um... I see it in my relationship sometimes, you know, we, but I mean, he, his job is not a very compassionate job, but it is a very demanding job. He works around a lot more people. So we'll just be both here on the couch. Um, and I also see it, and this is something I really kind of wanted to talk about because I, I, I have a heart for this community and for building this community, but I think 
the biggest indicator to me um, of compassion fatigue comes in our relationships to one another as nannies in this industry because I'm seeing so many people who are at capacity and unable to extend any iota of grace to a coworker, to a colleague, where whether it's showing up late to a play date or, you know, not tuning into a live or not coming to a Zoom meeting or something like that because everyone is at capacity. <laughs> but we want everyone to show up for us, but then we're also at capacity and so then we're unable to communicate well. We don't have healthy boundaries. Um yeah. I yeah. 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 No, I yeah. Yeah, because so many of us are I say this too, so much of our online presence and community is around commiserating and really like feeling each other's feelings. But sometimes we still create stories around those feelings for each other. Um, like we we assume that that person must be like, I don't know, we like, we, we put it on their character as opposed to what situation is going on. Um, and we're, we're very, very quick to, um, do that. I mean, we do that as like human beings. That's like a human, uh, I think like a, a heuristic bias kind of thing that like, uh, yeah. So <laughs> a lot of it is based around commiserating and all feeling these things. And sometimes that can turn into really like, um, romanticizing the problem or really making it more drastic and crisis-like than it needs to be or creating, like, feeling it from our own perception as opposed to what they're experiencing. I made a post just recently about um, how our emotions and the emotional residue that we have impacts the way that we empathize with others. Um, studies show that when we are going through something really positive, we tend to downplay um, other people's positive or we seem to think that their, their negative experiences are less severe. Um, and so we're just really distorted up in here. Like when we're trying to make sense of other people's worlds, we're looking at it through a very distorted lens. Uh, and so kind of just removing ourselves from that and like just looking at things kind of at face value um, and really not putting things on each other's character. That's what really, really kills me because like so many of us, we really don't know what other people are going through, what they're experiencing. They are so much more than just one, their nanny job and two, so much more than what they put out online. Like uh, even the, the ones that have nanny accounts, what we see on their nanny account is probably 15% of what they actually do every day the experiences that they have. Um, so being mindful of that and being mindful of like, even recognizing I don't share a hundred percent of what I experience or go through with the internet. Like, so I should be cognizant that like other people aren't doing that. Like um, just being aware and mindful and kind. Um, we, we, I know that that is part of it. Part of the compassion fatigue is we do drain low on our ability to be kind a little, we're a little bit raw. A lot of us kind of have like singy skin and we're a little prickly. Um, but knowing that, being aware of that, like being aware, I'm a little raw and prickly. Yeah, I will say. <laughs> and so I'm reading things yeah, a little sideways. Absolutely. I will say that being, hmm. I will say that being in the position that I've put myself in, which is just being online and attempting to build community and, and being somewhat transparent, not entirely, um, has really taught me the lesson to extend grace because I have been in need of grace in a lot of ways. I think because I don't show my nanny kids a ton, uh, sometimes people forget that I do still have a 50 hour work week and that I do this podcast all by myself and I still get on social media and I'm still a homeowner and I have a partner and I have friends who are not in this industry and a family. Um, and so I have felt very guilty when I can't 
respond thoughtfully or intentionally when I can't engage um, with other people, whether it's a message or just, you know, your own post or showing up to a live or, or going to a meeting or, you know, things like that. And so now that I have had the experience, I like to think I was gracious before, but now that I've had the experience of being the one that people are expecting from, I really get it. And like, it, there's no way I'm not giving a person grace. Like you have to really very blatantly do something in order for me not to say, you know what, you're probably having a bad day. You know what, you probably had an argument with your boss or maybe your nanny kid screamed at you or maybe, you know, life is hard. Maybe the bills aren't paid, maybe whatever, whatever. Because at the end of the day, like you said, we, we see the tip of the iceberg of people's lives on social media and we know what it's like to be a nanny. <laughs> we know what it's like to be a caregiver and a domestic worker. We know what it's like to try to balance it all, to try and find harmony and we know that it's hard and everyone has off days. So I think it would be a really, really beautiful thing if we all as a community agreed to extend grace specifically to our coworkers and our colleagues, because it's hard out here for all of us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like to um, assume positive intent, intent most of the time. And I try to kind of like ask myself like where else could they be coming from other than the the initial like perspective that I would think I would be coming from with this (laughs) sideways comment um assuming positive intent until they make it clear that they're not having positive intent because sometimes that is clear um but yeah especially when it's with people that you engage with regularly online or people that you have made connections with um yeah, it, it's it's healthy to <laughs> extend grace, assume a little positive intent. Yeah, and if and if yeah. you don't know, seek clarity before you you know just decide how another yes. person feels. I can't tell you how many times I've been like, "Wait a minute, this is about to get weird. This is about to be you know." And then one more conversation, I'm like, "Oh, we just weren't in the same chapter of the book. Got it. Cool. We're great." Um, Right. Yeah. Like you're like, mm-hmm. whoa, what was that? And then, oh, okay. Like, but you just didn't really know how to phrase it, I guess. Yeah. Or but like, I there's so many mental gymnastics that we go through on a daily basis. Even just, I mean, guys, I, my kids are six, four, and two. Um, so even just staying centered and staying grounded throughout that is like a full time job. And then also, you know, engaging with my bosses in, in a meaningful way, um, whether it's, you know, the beginning of the day, the end of the day, or handling a crisis. Um, and then there's this whole world, this whole sphere that we're building. And I think we're doing a great job, by the way, um, elevating the industry and, and telling our stories and getting our voices out there. But yeah, we, we all could use a little grace. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It's a crazy world. Though. It is. But I, you know, it's worth it to me. It really, really is. I mean, in life, you encounter, you know, people and a percentage of those people become your people, but you don't know who's your people until you connect with people. And that totally made sense. I have decided. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also valid that certain people come in and out during certain seasons. And like, especially some people are like, well, this nanny job just isn't for me right now. And it's like, well, maybe nannying just isn't for you right now, too. Like, that's okay, too. Like, if your life goes through seasons, (laughs) like that, that happens. um, And it might not be the best for you. Or like that person might come back later, or might come back never again. um, But was only there for that season of your life and was very pivotal yeah. You never know. And like and I I've talked to several nannies who have like <clears throat> taken like 6 months to a year to do something else and it has given them the break they needed and then also reminded them why they were here in the first place and they come on back, you know, with stronger boundaries, <laughs> a, a certain assurance about themselves and what they bring to the table and you know, people are always going to be making children, so our jobs will always be here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, we'll never go out of style. 
Um, yeah, and that, I'm gonna make a post upcoming about the whole Megan Trainer saying like a bad word towards teachers. Um, and I'm just gonna make a post about it about how like that sentiment is unfortunately alive and well, and privileged parents will hire us to homeschool their children and keep them at home and like that's something that we kind of also need to be mindful of that like our child's care sphere even extends beyond just nannying to also daycares and preschools and teachers and like we're all a part of this village and we need to be mindful and respectful of each and every one of our different perspectives and skill sets um but yeah, there's just going to be, our industry yeah. is never going to it's, die. I saw a post today on Facebook that had gone viral where a woman asked, um, moms only were allowed to respond. Of course, everyone who wanted to responded. But she said, would you rather have a nanny, a maid, or a chef? And that comment section was exactly what you would expect it to be. Um, because so many people were like, a nanny, they'll do all of it. And I was like, oh, Lord, mm -hmm. yo, we have so far to go. Yep. Even when the question specifically, is presented as three different specifically, jobs. And people would, yeah. you know, nannies would get in the yeah. comments and be like, actually, no, a nanny does not do it all. Um, and the responses was always, well, my nanny does and I pay them well. Um, and I just, I just think it's so interesting, the state of things, you know, even in 2023, like we're still having to educate and advocate at all times but yeah <laughs> yeah it's also just so crazy to think that like actually I need to stop saying it's so crazy it's also interesting <laughs> I don't um to think that like there's so much extreme on both sides like both sides are like really like in their heels like no my nanny does this no my nanny doesn't do this it's like how do both how do you both have such strong convictions? John Mayer said, belief is a beautiful armor that makes for the heaviest sword. Like punching underwater, you never can hit who you're trying for. And that was the realest thing that man ever said. <laughs> John? Seriously, because when people believe a thing, it doesn't matter what facts, what research, what evidence. Belief trumps it all. So that's that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On there, laying it down. <laughs> but yeah, was there anything else you wanted to share with uh, yo people today? I don't think so. This was fun. I really enjoyed chatting with you. So easy you. to talk to you, Sarah. Um, <laughs> We're so similar, and it's very funny because I don't know that people would like put us in the same box necessarily. But y'all, we spent what two forty eight. 70 48 hours how long were we together friday morning to sunday e okay 36 uh 72 okay i can't yeah. count 72 hours together anyway um but we are <laughs> almost the same person and it is funny <laughs> to me anyway it was very comforting it is funny yes which is is like find your people guys they're out there like you can find them. Um, yeah, because I felt the same way. I felt like you were a soul friend that I've lived many lives with. Um, yeah. Yeah, I am a, I'm a... I will watch reality TV all day long. <laughs> yeah, one day we'll tell the tale. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, thank you, Sarah, so much for being on the podcast and for just guiding us all through this crazy world <laughs> of nanny life um we so appreciate your voice and your message and your platform and all that good stuff and in, in case you live under a rock and somehow found me and not sarah sarah's social media is at the period modern period nanny um and your website too, or? The website's kind of under construction right now. But uh, in my highlights, I have a work with me highlight. 
that like has links to things. So if you need need links to things, they're there. Um, but yeah, we're 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 building things yeah, on the back end. And we're we're d- did the census close the second one? I have it still open because I haven't reached my personal goal yet. So if you guys haven't filled it out, I don't know if it'll still be open by the time this comes out. It probably will be though. Um, but I have some other great people helping me clean up some data. Um, it's been a really cool way to like just connect with other people too that have similar interests. Um, it's it's fun. I'm such a nerd. I really I love data. Listen, we words, need nerdy nannies. We graphs. need that though, because we gotta we gotta get the message out. We y'all, how would we do it without two dorks like you and me? Like we just we gotta do it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know we gotta I do know. it. But yay. One day there will be a nanny section at Barnes and Noble with all of Listen, our nerdy nonsense. There really will. There really, really will. <laughs> We're putting it out there. There will be a podcast section. We a need book more section. podcasts. Can we talk about that? We need more because, like, I feel like this is this is very red table talk, and then we need like some other. Anyway. We're going to work on all those things, but thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of A Nanny's Life Podcast. I'm honored that you choose to spend your time with me and my wonderful guests, and I really, really hope you have an incredible incredible week um, and take care of yourself as well as, if not better than, you do others. Y'all be cool. Bye.